Good morning. Everybody doing okay this morning? Good. Y'all doing all right? Good, good, good. All right. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Brother Troy, you want to lead us? Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let's see. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. All right, what are we talking about? <laughs> talking about the apostles, trying to get through Peter. <laughs> Last Sunday when we finished, I thought, we're going to get through next Sunday. I'm not sure we are, but we might. We'll see. It just seems like you keep miring up, but that's all right. So... We do a little something the last couple of weeks. Y'all ready? <laughs> I ain't going to ask five or six times this time. So Peter, the brother of Andrew. Okay. They were the sons of <laughs> Jonas, sons of Jonas. They grew up in the city of Bethsaida, the region of Galilee. Later they moved to Capernaum, where they had what kind of business? Did you write it down? You still didn't write it down? Oh, you did write it down. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. After the tongue lashing I gave you last week, I figured you would write it down. Capernaum. I forgot what we were saying. Fishing business in Capernaum. Right. Where they were partners with who? James and John, the sons of Zebedee. All right. Amazing how many people stare at the ground during that whole thing right there. <laughs> or look off. So either they don't want to be called on or they don't care. One or the other. Either one's fine. All right. So we've been talking about, we've talked about wow moments in the life of Peter. But we've been talking about events in the book of Acts with regard to the apostle Peter. We've looked at several. Um, we looked at him on the day of Pentecost. We looked... Uh, we looked at a couple of things that were actually summarized a little bit by Brother Ronnie Wednesday night. We looked at the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate. We looked at Peter and John defying the Sanhedrin. We looked at Ananias and Sapphira. And then we looked at him dealing with a, a sorcerer named Simon. So now we've got one more of these. And then we'll kind of move into, I think, how Peter has contributed to to our Bible. So Acts chapter 9, I said one more, I meant to. Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at another event or a couple of events here involving the Apostle Peter and the, really the building up and the foundation of the early church in this book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 9. Does anybody know why this book is called Acts? I heard something. It's the Acts of the Apostles. Okay? Don't know that everybody knew that. The Acts of the Apostles. That's why we're talking about a lot of them. Because we're talking about Peter. So look at Acts chapter 9. Now, most of the time, when you turn to Acts chapter 9, what are you going to talk about? The fan's going, so if you're saying the answer, I don't think you are. I'm sorry, I just can't hear as well. The conversion of, of Saul. That's most of the time what we're, talk, what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. So Acts chapter 9, verse 32. We're talking about Peter. And it came to pass... As Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. This is not Lydia. It's a place called Lydda. It, this is the place called Lod in the Old Testament. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Now, that's a term you hear a lot in the Bible. Sick of the palsy. He had the palsy. What does that mean? Muscle weakness? Yep. Muscle. You can, you can most of the time think of it as he was paralyzed in one way or the other. Sometimes the whole body. Sometimes maybe just the legs. But muscle weakness in particular. So when you see that sick of the palsy, that's what that is. So there was this man who had been sick of the palsy and been in bed eight years. And in verse 34 it says, And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he, later on down the road, felt strength in his legs and got up later. No. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. So why did he heal this man? The man didn't even ask to be healed that we know of. Maybe he did. We don't know that. Why would he heal him? I didn't mean to read that last verse. Why did he heal this man? I didn't mean to read that last verse. <laughs> so that people would say and believe and be saved and be added to the church. That's why. That's why this man was healed. Thank you, Chris. All right, verse 36. Something else. Now there was, a, uh, there was that Joppa. Who's ever heard of Joppa? Be careful raising your hand. I'm going to ask you where you heard it. <laughs> I saw a head go up and immediately go down. Right over here. I ain't calling no names. Joppa. Everybody's heard of Joppa. Everybody in this room's heard of Joppa. Guaranteed. Where have you heard Joppa? Did you know that the whole time? 
You did, I, I can't hear. I don't. <laughs> Is that why everybody's looking at me like that? Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. And he went to Joppa and got on a ship. And there was going somewhere else. He was running. That's Joppa. Now there was a, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Now you, I, I, this has absolutely nothing to do with the lesson. I just wanted to say this. My uncle, who he passed away last year, he was a preacher. He, he used to love to get people with this. He, he asked me as a kid. I looked and looked and looked and looked. I finally found it. But he would, he would say in the Bible, um, who had a name that meant deer? He'd get everybody. Everybody he asked. I looked and looked. Finally found it. Dorcas means gazelle. I was so happy. I called and said, I found it. <laughs> he said, no. But that, that was pretty tough. So that had nothing to do with the lesson. It's just just something from my past. And it came, let's see, I don't forgot where it was. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed, they laid her, her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth. What, what does that mean? Peter put them all forth. He kicked them out. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily in a bad way. He had them leave the room. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Why would he heal this woman? I didn't, I didn't mess up that time. <laughs> Look, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. I wonder if they ever got confused with the names. We've read about five different Simons. <laughs> and I don't even remember them all. But definitely Simon Peter, Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Tanner. No wonder they put that tag on there. The Tanner, so we know who they're talking about. The Sorcerer, so we know who they're talking about. But we see Peter healing these two people for one purpose. Well, no, that's necessarily true. But the Bible details at least one purpose, that the church might be added to and grow. And so these acts of the apostles, that's what this book is about, the growing of the church, the things these people did. Um, and so we see these things in Acts. Now, the very last thing 
um, act that we'll, we'll look at, and we're just going to skim it because we've already talked about it, was perhaps, perhaps the greatest event in the book of Acts that Peter was part of, and that's the reception of Cornelius into the Christian church. Now, we've already talked about that, but that's in Acts chapter 10. And if you remember, um, Cornelius had a dream. Let's just look at that. that. I don't know that we talked about that. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius in Acts 2 says he was a devout man and one that feared God um, with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed... He called two of his household, uh, household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now he sent them to Joppa to get Peter. And we've already talked about this. This is where Peter's on top of the house. And Peter still has some, um, let me know. I want to search for the right word here. Partiality. Maybe um, he still has some partiality in him of these toward the Jews and not necessarily the Gentiles. But God is, is going to send Paul who's going to turn himself to the Gentiles. Now, in the book of Revelation, well, not in the book, but in our study of Revelation, we talked about the times of the Gentiles which is what we currently live in, the church age. This is the time of the Gentiles. Now, the tribulation period, that's going to be that last week for the Jews. It's not for Gentiles. It's for Jews. doesn't mean no Gentiles are going to be saved. That's not what it means. And you all just have to go back and listen to that four or five years worth of stuff to figure all that out. But Peter still has some partiality in him of Jews over Gentiles. But God works this out. Through this dealing with Cornelius, he's on the, he's on the roof at Joppa on top of Simon's house where their porches normally were. And he falls into a trance and he sees this sheet let down with all these beasts he considers unclean. And God says, right, you know, eat, take and eat of these. And Peter says, like I said, we've already talked about this. Peter says, I've never eaten an unclean thing in my life. He was a good Jew. And But God said, what I call clean, you don't call unclean. And God was dealing with Peter with this. And now he's about to send him to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius, let me see if I can find it real quick, and I can't. Cornelius was not a Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile. And so here this vision is, and when Peter comes out of this trance, immediately he's got men calling for him. Cornelius' men have made it to Joppa, to the house of Simon the Tanner. They want Simon Peter, and they're calling for him, and God tells him to go with them. So he goes to Cornelius' house. And then, let's see, 
he preaches. I don't exactly know where it starts, somewhere around 23 of Acts chapter 10. He preaches to these people. And in verse 44, let's start there. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Do you notice anything funny about that? Compared to some things we've talked about in the past. Peter's preaching and the Holy Ghost falls on him. Anything? We talked about one event in the past where some people believed, but the apostles had to go and put their hands on for them to receive the Holy Ghost. Okay? Here, that doesn't happen. Peter doesn't have to put his hands on him. The Holy Ghost falls on him while he's preaching. And it fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision. Who is that? Jews. Jewish people. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. It says the men that came with Peter were astonished. It didn't say Peter was astonished. God had already dealt with him about this. Now, he hadn't got the whole picture. I don't plan on looking at it again. But later on, he's going to be with some Gentiles, believers, and some Jews from Jerusalem are going to come, Jewish believers, and Peter's going to separate himself from the Gentiles and only sit with the Jews. Now, that doesn't mean there's... that. Has, to me, that has nothing to do with salvation. But he didn't want to be seen fellowshipping with Gentiles. And that's where Paul said, I withstood him face to face. And Paul let him have it, I'm sure. And I think probably straighten that out. But these men are Gentiles. They received the Holy Ghost. The men that came with Peter were astonished because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. What an amazing time. They thought that this was just for them. The Jewish people did. Um, what an amazing time. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And don't get, I'm not going into tongues. It, it's not chanting. It's languages. It, it, go look at Acts chapter 2. Each person heard them in their own language. It didn't, it didn't, it does not say they heard a bunch of confusing chanting and all that stuff. That's not what it says. It's languages. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that there should, that these should not be baptized that have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? I hate to keep stopping, but there's a couple of things that need to be pointed out. So they're going to be baptized after they receive the Holy Ghost. After. Not in order to receive the Holy Ghost. And if you don't even know what I'm talking about, good for you. Don't worry about it. But there are a lot of people that believe that you have to be baptized to receive the Holy Ghost. Ah. Nope. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So we see this reception of Gentiles into the Christian church here. An amazing time. The Jews are astonished. Peter's been, the Lord's dealt with Peter. Um, 
But that's not the end of it. Now, we're moving. Yeah, and we'll probably, we'll probably see here in just a second where Peter's going to pass off the pages of our Bible. Um, we, we talked about that a little bit when we got to the end of the book of John. He passed off the pages of the Gospels. Now we're in the book of Acts. Here in just a second, it'll be the last mention of Peter. He's going to pass off the pages. He's still going to do work, but the torch and the focus is now being going to be shifted to somebody else. But we're going to look at what Peter does, and he does an amazing thing at the end. So Acts chapter 11, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but this is so important. Um, unless you are a Jew, this is extremely important to us. Acts 11 verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I cannot believe it. They heard that these men had received the word of God. They had been preached to. I feel like they probably heard that some told them that they had received the Holy Ghost and that they had been baptized. And what problem did they have with Peter? A bad air conditioner. <laughs> he sat and ate with them. You've been fellowshipping with them. These people had been saved, had received the Holy Ghost, had been baptized. And as soon as he gets to Jerusalem, some of his Jewish brethren, which were believers, came to him and says, I cannot believe that you sat out and ate with those dogs. That's what they said. you believe that? But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, now I'm going to skip all of this because this is what happened to Peter. He was at Joppa. He went to Cornelius. He started preaching. The Holy Ghost fell on him. Verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. We've talked about this before. You remember there were things that Jesus said to the disciples, to the apostles while he was here on this earth. And he even told them, you're not going to understand these things until later. And this is one of them. Verse 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. That's an amazing statement. We don't understand it because we're Gentiles. And we live in this church age. And this happened, I don't know, 2,000 years ago. Amazing statement by these men to say, okay, then the Gentiles are also in. Now look at Acts chapter 15. And with this, Peter will pass off our pages. At least Acts of his life. Acts chapter 15. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to do a little bit of skipping here. 
And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Now, who are the brethren? It would do you well, and me too. I'm speaking to myself when I say things like that. It would do you well to understand the audience that they are talking to when things are said in the Bible. If you don't, you're going to get your theology all messed up. All messed up. Now, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren. Who is that? Who are they teaching? The, the, the Jewish believers and believers in general. And said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, they came to these Gentile believers and said, you must be circumcised to be saved. What, what's the problem with that? Why not just do it? You're going to find out that they're, that they're not going to do this. But to, to please these men, why not just do it? Anytime you add any act other than believing on the Lord Jesus Christ into your salvation experience, you have got a problem. And these men's theologies were messed up. This is what they believed. Now, I don't know. Maybe they knew some Gentiles and they had had them circumcised. I don't know. But this is what they believed up until this point. The Jewish believers believed that Gentile believers must be circumcised to be saved. That's what they believed. But it's about to get straightened out. By who? When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But <laughs> there rose up certain sect of the Pharisees, don't stop there though, which believed. These were Pharisee believers saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. This is a pivotal point in the life of the church. Pivotal. Now, we know what happens, and we're going to read it, okay? But can you imagine if it would have went the other way? Now, you can say that never happened. God will never, never allow that to happen. I understand all that. But what if they had said, yes, Gentile believers have to be circumcised, and they have to keep the law of Moses? Today, we would have to be circumcised as males, and we would have, all have to keep the law of Moses. And what's the problem with keeping the law of Moses? You can't. No man can. So good luck. But that's what they said. These Pharisee believers said this. Let me see how far I wanted to read. Okay. And the apostles and elders came together for, for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, who rose up? Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know 
how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, most, I, I, would, I would think most everybody in here, including myself, for a long time, if you would have said, who, by who did God grant repentance for the Gentiles, who would you say? Paul. Well, yeah, but Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul. Peter said it was by, by me, by his mouth. It's, it's interesting. By his mouth. Uh, let's see. Gentiles, by my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. He said that three times. And put no difference between us and them. Oh, my goodness. If Miss Peggy was here, I would point out Peter's boldness. And we don't even understand it. We can read these verses without even stopping, without even thinking about it. We don't understand this. This is the pivotal moment other than the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. And what Peter was doing and the boldness that it took and the courage that he had to have to stand up to these men and say, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It was incredible during this day. And put no difference, verse 9, between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they. Now, skip to verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered. Now, this is not James the apostle. How do we know that? How do you know it's not James the Apostle? He's dead. He died before this. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He's actually the leader of the Christian church there in Jerusalem. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. To take them out, to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, which doeth all these things. Known unto God, now this is James again talking in 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they should abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Let's just keep reading this, because and then we'll be done. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch <coughs> with Paul and Barsabbas. Oh, Barnabas. Skipped a line. Namely, Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, 
I believe I'd have a surname too. And Silas, chief men among the brethren. Now, you're going to hear Silas again. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying that you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us. Now, this is the letter that they're writing to them. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That, this is verse 29. That ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. From which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. Now, the people in Antioch, the Gentiles in Antioch, are waiting for this. They have believed, they have received the Holy Ghost, they have been baptized, and they're waiting to find out, are we going to have to be circumcised? Are we going to have to follow the law of Moses? Is this required for, for, the, for us to be saved? That's what the people had told them. So they get them together, verse 31, which when they had read, we just read what the letter said, when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Uh, we can just keep reading. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren under the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. That's it for the life of Peter in the book of Acts. But what an impact he had. You're gonna, we'll probably talk about it some when we talk about John, and I think I've already said it, but when you see mo a lot of times in the book of Acts, especially in the early chapters, when you see Peter, you see John. But Peter is the focus. Peter did these things. He healed these people. He wasn't the only one, but... These were the ones that God chose to include in this book. And this that we've read here at the end, again, I don't think we can grasp the gravity of how important this event was, but the accepting of Gentiles into the church, that was done by Peter, not by Paul. Now, Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles, and for, for a good reason. He's going to turn to the Gentiles completely and preach to them and thousands and millions and ever how many of Gentiles will be saved. But it all started with Peter. And with this, in Acts chapter 15, Peter passes off the pages of the Bible. But his contribution to our Bible um, is what we'll talk about next. And he still has a lot of things to say, a lot of good things. And we'll look at those next time. All right. Jonathan, do you want to dismiss us?